The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Angelos. Uh, here we are, we're sitting at the tail end of February, and we're at a point where we're getting a lot of market volatility. Uh, the coronavirus is kicking in, and we know that our clients and our friends and our community are probably wondering you know, what's kind of going on? Should I be thinking about my portfolios and so forth? And which you absolutely always should be. And so what we've done is we've invited one of our partners, one of our guests, our advisors, uh, Robert Farrell, a registered representative uh, with CNA Financial Group, Park Avenue Securities, and a partner over at Tomorrow Financial right here in Wall Township. So Bob, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks, Frank. How are you doing? All good. So, Bob, you know, it's interesting when I bring you on to the show and when we chat once in a while, you know, people might wonder who's Bob Farrell and so forth. And you've spent how many years in finance? And I started in 1984, and I've been in the financial services business, particularly with the bond and the stock market since then. And you've been on the institutional side for many years? Correct. Right? And so then, you, you know, after you retired from that, you got into, you know, working with us, working with Park Avenue Securities, and you've really been an asset to our organization and to all of the clients that have worked with us and with you over the years. So we appreciate everything that you do. Well, thank you. I enjoy working with the clients as well. So, Bob, you've seen, you know, different levels of volatility over the years, as have I. And so, you know, I was looking at it's like, you know, every time you turn around, there's a different headline, you know, whether it's be political, whether it be, you know, something different going on. Your take on what you're hearing on Corona and where it's going and so forth. Um, just a couple thoughts. Sure. So the coronavirus, um, the impact on the market, unfortunately, is not how many people it's going to kill. If you think about how many people die in the United States every year from the flu, it's upwards of 30 or 40,000. Um, the impact is a global shutdown. The impact is a supply chain. And I think that's what's a little different with the coronavirus. It's unfortunately not focused on people that become ill. It becomes what happens when factories get shut down. And that's why it's affecting our markets. So it's a great insight. And so, you know, it's one of those of, you know, when we look at that, you know, a couple of, you know, perspectives is, you know, one, uh, if we look at interest rates today, you know, I know that we look at like a 10 year or we look at a 30 year bond and, you know, I think they're 130-ish or somewhere in that range where we Yeah, 10-year U.S. governments are 134, bonds are 182. So what's happened as a result of the coronavirus is doing a real flight to quality. And that flight to quality has been U.S. government securities. They've been the beneficiary. Uh, having 10-year notes at historical lows at 134 and having bonds at 182, um, the curve's inverted. Um, and the decision is now, does the Federal Reserve find the need to lower overnight rates um, as a result of this? Um, my personal opinion is I don't think they do. Unless this really grows in the market and the equity market gets impaired, I don't think the Federal Reserve will do much, um, particularly in light of where we stand with unemployment. Um, I mean, unemployment rate's unbelievably low. Absolutely. I remember listening to Bloomberg uh, yesterday. Uh, consumer confidence at the moment mm -hmm. has been you know, pretty good. And so you know, when you look at that, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, with the exception of the supply chain and people being concerned about that, it's like, you know, where are we at? And so you got a lot of speculation that's going on. It is. All the indicators point to a growing economy. You have a historically low unemployment rate. You have consumer confidence at arguably an all-time high. You have durable good orders that are strong. And 
the economy's chucking along pretty well, and, and most importantly, no inflation. Um, so we're kind of in a perfect point right now in the market. So one of the uh, charts that I had pulled up and one of the things that I looked at, you know, we were talking about it before is, you know, so we get different statistics that we look at and just for insights. And one of them was, you know, the U.S. market in, intra-year gains and declines and where it ends up. And so, you know, it's based on the Russell 3000. But if I look over the course of the last, say, 10 years, it's not uncommon for the markets to be down at any point in the year, 5% or 10% or whatever the case might be. Absolutely. And and. Yet at the end of the day is many of the times when this has occurred, if I looked at you 2009, 2010, uh, 2012, 2014, 15, 16, all of those years where we've had low points in the market, every one of those years it finished up. Yeah. So, so we're going to have that type of volatility. I think volatility like this needs to be anticipated in the market. Um, a market's going to probably compound at somewhere between 6 and 7% over a long period of time but it's not gonna look like going up six and 7% every year. So you're gonna have years where you're up, like last year, double digits. Conversely, you're gonna have years that potentially could be flat or down a little bit. That's a normal operating equity market. I also think it's important to note that the hiccup we had over the last couple of days, you know, don't look at it as total numbers, look at it as a percentage. It's a, a great insight. So maybe take a minute and expand upon that a little, Bob. Certainly. So, you know, the Dow, which is only 30 stocks, or the S&P, which is a lot better, that being down 70 S&P points or 80 S&P points, when the S&P is at 3,200, is a couple of percent. You can't look at that number five years ago or seven years ago when the market was 35% lower because it's a 6%. And I think, unfortunately, the media tends to broadcast numbers instead of percentage. So when the Dow went through two significant days being Monday and Tuesday down a thousand points and down almost 900 points the next day and you read in the media that you've had two consecutive days close to down a thousand points what you really did is gave back four and a half or five percent which is not great but we're back to being unchanged in NASDAQ for the year and the S&P is down a couple of percent and just to frame that these were markets that were up north of 20 percent last year so from a panic side this is not a horrific panic this is kind of an, a normal operating market the other thing you know that I would like to bring to light is is that um, you know the return that we get when we're in the markets, stocks, large caps, small cap, mid caps, whatever the case might be, we get paid a risk premium. We're getting paid for the risks that we're you know taking. And so I always say is our clients are not speculators. Our clients are investors. Okay, and most of our clients have very long time horizons. You know, so if, Bob, if we're sitting here today and let's say I'm in my late 50s, okay, even though I might not look like I'm in my late 50s and those of you listening. Myself we, as well. We could take that either way. It doesn't matter however you want to look at it. But if I looked at, you know, my time horizon is not to retirement, say 10 years from today. It's through retirement, which may be a 20 or a 30 or a 40 year time horizon. So blips like this you know when we see that type of volatility or whatever in the scheme of things you know your thoughts on that just to no, share I, I think that's important i think you framed it well too it's not two it's through and i think most people stereotype that, that you want to get to a certain age but in all reality once you get to that age you need to have some kind of exposure to the market to protect yourself against inflation so yeah maybe you ratchet down equity exposure a little bit but it doesn't end exactly and and that's important to note because 
the idea of panicking in your late 50s, thinking you're going to be out of it in your mid-60s, and what, you can't do that because more likely than not, when somebody does retirement, retire, 50% of their portfolio is probably still in the equity market in some way, shape, or form. Um, so the sequence of return risk of just panicking and getting out is appreciable. So, and, and you know, it's kind of like, I, I like the way that you frame that. I always, you know, because I'm one of those, I speak in pictures nine times out of 10 when I'm giving, you know, speak, you know, with somebody. And I look at it this way. It's like, while we're earning and we're in the workforce, okay, we have cash flow. So there is no pressure on our money. We have time to allow things to correct if there is a correction in the market. And by the way, there's going to be corrections several times over our lifetimes. But at the end of the day, is, is the key is not to try to time the market. You know, I can't time it twice, which is I've got to time the out, and then I've got to time getting back in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not an advocate. I mean, there are professionals that time the market. And having traded at different shops around, I've gotten paid to do that before. Um, it's a full-time job, and you need to be 100% involved, and that's committed. There's a big difference between an investor and a trader. Timing the market is a trader. An investor does not time the market. Exactly. And our clients are investors. And the other perspective is, is that um, I would say that most clients that we deal with and most people that are listening to this have well-diversified portfolios, you know, because we advocate asset class investing, which is, you know, different asset classes, large cap, small cap, mid caps, uh, international, uh, fixed income, uh, that also in any of the portfolios that are out there that are being designed yeah. are, are, are made to, I, I was, it's almost a custom suit, which is based upon somebody's risk tolerance of what their comfort level is when it comes to volatility. It's like, where are you at and how does that work? You need a well-diversified portfolio. So just to get a reference, you have NASDAQ, which I think many people are aware of, is unchanged this year. However, the S&P small cap is down 7.5%. And the S, right? So when you, when you kind of, and the S&P 500 is down three and a half percent. And conversely, some international stocks in particular in Europe are down upwards of eight or nine percent. Um, bond portfolios have performed very well with this flight to quality. And I think that is a real testament as to why people need a proper asset allocation. So, you know, when we talk about that asset allocation, you know, the fact that, you know, someone may be down on their large caps and so forth, but on the other side of that is if I've got them in fixed income, their fixed income side could be doing better than it was. Oh, sure, previously. like REITs are up 5% this year, um, just year to date, right? So I think it all goes back to a well-diversified portfolio and the more, more diversified you are, the more you're built to withstand shocks like this. You know, people anticipate that when they build a portfolio. And so the message, you know, that we're really trying to get out to everybody is really a couple fold uh, from our conversation here. Number one is make sure that you have a risk tolerance that you are truly comfortable with. You know, I always laugh is, you know, when the market's going up, everybody's risk tolerance is, is oh, I should have been in more. And it's, you know, all of a sudden when we start getting volatility, it becomes that gut check of, you know, right. are we really in a portfolio that we're comfortable with? And if you aren't, then you should, you know, make those adjustments and get to a place where you're comfortable. But at the same point, you know, our belief is, is that equities will always be a part of the portfolio. And when I say always a part, you know, the reality is, is, you know, Bob, when you just mentioned, you know, 1.3 on a two year, you know, for the most part, it, you, you can't make money there. Well, you can't. However, I have an advocate that I do think that people need fixed income exposure. Absolutely. Um, um, just, you know, to frame it, there are points where people think that why would I invest with such low rates? 
BlackRock's long-term bond fund is up 7% this year, right? Which is a nice buffer for an equity portfolio if one had small caps that's down 7% in a mixture. Um, do I subscribe to rates in the United States going to zero? No, I don't. But I think rates could go lower if you kind of look at the amount of debt globally that's trading negative. So I think a well-diversified portfolio, including a fixed income sleeve, is important, regardless of whether rates are 5% or 3%. It's a great insight. And so your know, thing for all of our listeners is you know, make sure you have a risk tolerance you're comfortable with, have a well-diversified portfolio, having both equities and bonds in the portfolio. And then the other side of that is we're going to say is don't get emotional. And when we say don't get emotional, it's like sometimes you got to turn off the news a little bit so that you're not getting caught up in the hype because a lot of times their job is to keep you watching so that they can sell ad time. It's so true. And, and one of the things that I tend to tell my clients is generally most people's largest asset is their house. And if they got a resilient report every day that their house is up or down, they would become very emotional. But you're not going to sell your house or you're not going to buy more house. It's just what it's worth. And when people have qualified money or long-term money that's invested, I think you need to have the same mentality that have a good advisor working with you, understand there could be ebbs and flows, but don't be reactionary to it. Great insight. And it's like, you know, when I give those picture examples, like if we're driving down the parkway, okay, and I look at retirement that way, and I've got a long time before I get to my exit, I may tend to go a little bit more aggressive. But as I'm approaching the exit and that off-ramp, I'm going to start slowing it down a little, but I don't stop, okay? Right. So that would be dangerous. So that's the whole point of owning equities in the portfolio is as I get closer to and into retirement, I may have less equity exposure, but I'll always have some in the portfolio because I need the return. You need the return. And I think as people get older, people, that's one of the few things that's going to give you a natural hedge against inflation. And the older you get, you wind up driving a lot. You're seeing your grandkids, you're doing things. You probably have more exposure to energy and inflation than most people. So okay. it's, it, you need it. I always say is, you know, when you're retired, every day is Saturday. It's so true. <laughs> and we spend more on Saturdays. <laughs> I'm than not there yet, working. but the more people I talk to, that's a really good analogy. Alrighty. So for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Our guest today, again, Robert Farrell, and this has been Frank Angelos. Uh, this is our way of just keeping you up to date. We look forward to connecting real soon. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 2020 95645